All right, let's get into our new study this morning. In recent years, finding out your family tree has become uh, a pretty popular thing to do, right? People want to know where they come from. In fact, there are many companies now that you can send and have your DNA tested, right? Uh, It's a a pretty common place. You can go on Amazon and order a DNA test and find out about your family tree. That's crazy, (laughs) right? That's crazy to think and crazy to to see. But it's amazing to see the different uh, information that is found about our families. There's one commercial for one of those companies where this guy named Kyle learns some information about his family that changes how he sees himself and changes even how he dresses, right? He goes from wearing lederhosen to wearing a kilt because of his family tree, right? It changed what he thought he knew about himself. Now, my mom uh, and some others have done a a lot of research and stuff for my family tree. In fact, I have an app on my phone. I can pull up my family tree, and it goes back to like the 1600s. It's pretty crazy, right? And there's even a William Wallace that's in my family. Now, he was English and not Scottish, so it's probably not the William Wallace, but still, William Wallace is in my family, right? Um, but there's somebody else that's in my family, and actually, some of you guys know Christopher Carowin. He's my cousin, and our great-grandmother is uh, Emmeline Wheelton, or Emma Wheelton, and she left an amazing family tree, not just a family, but really a faith. Uh, Grandma uh, Emma, she lost her father at the age of six, And then three years later, her brother passed away. And she went through many uh, different trials and tribulations through her childhood, but she remained faithful to God even through all of those things. She was married to my great-grandfather for 60 years. She helped teach in her church. She played piano into her 90s at church. Uh, She was just an amazing woman of faith. But far beyond all of those things, Grandma Emma led people to Jesus. In fact, she led my grandfather, her son-in-law, John, to come to know Jesus. Um, She loved and cared not only for her family, but cared for other people and wanted them to have the same hope that she had in Jesus. Uh, Grandma Emma also wrote um, for a long time columns for the the Newburn newspaper, the Sun Journal, including Bible lessons that were in that column. She was an amazing follower of Jesus and an amazing part of my family tree. But she's not the only part of my family tree. And I don't know about you, but there's some shady parts of my family tree as well. (laughs) And not the good type of shade, right? Uh, There's some, some rough people in my family tree as well. Well, today we're going to be starting this new teaching series for Christmas. And over the next couple of weeks, we are going to see how God worked to become Emmanuel. In the book of Isaiah, it tells us that, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is a Hebrew word. And it means God with us. In fact, if you see on the slide here, it says God with us. Go back to the the title. And then underneath it, you may like, what's that scribbly? That's Hebrew for Emmanuel, okay? God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. We're going to see how God's sovereignty was working even through broken and sinful people just like you and me to bring about his promises. 
And my hope is today that as we see some of the broken people and sinful people that God has used throughout history to bring about Jesus, that we will be able to see how God still can use broken people just like you and me to bring others to Jesus. This is how God became Emmanuel, God with us. In the Gospel of Matthew, it's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time. And so if you have your Bibles, if you would, open them up to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We would love to give you a copy of one. But if you're looking for Matthew, it's on the right side of your Bible. It's the very first book of the New Testament. And we'll be in chapter 1 there in just a minute. Matthew is one of four books that we call the Gospels. And that word gospel means good news because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us the good news or the gospel of Jesus. They tell us about what he did and what he taught. They tell us about his life and his teaching, his death and his resurrection. And and like I said, Matthew is on the right side. If you're looking for it, it comes right after Malachi and right before Mark. Uh, But as you're turning there, I want you to listen to Peter's words for us because what we're going to see is we're going to see Peter. Peter's words lived out in Matthew chapter 1. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So as we're getting ready to see here in Matthew chapter 1, God is not slow. He is patient. God is not slow. He is patient. Matthew's gospel opens up with the family tree of Jesus. Uh, It carries Jesus' family tree from Abraham all the way down to Jesus. Now, Luke is the only other gospel that gives us a genealogy of Jesus. And, And listen to what Mark Moore says about Matthew's arrangement of this genealogy. He says, Matthew arranges his genealogy in three sets of 14. And these three sets of 14 show the major periods of Israel's history. They show that Jesus is a fulfillment of Jewish history. Jesus is the climax of the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. You know, sometimes we as as Christians have a tendency to focus just on the New Testament, and, and we don't see the relevance of the Old Testament. But Jesus is the culmination of all of what God was doing In the Old Testament, Jesus is who the Israelites were looking forward to. He is the Messiah, as we are going to see. God was working from Abraham to David and from David to the exile of Israel into Babylon and from the exile to to Jerusalem being rebuilt and the temple being rebuilt. And God was even working in the 400 years of silence from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the new. He was working to bring his son, Jesus, who is the Messiah. So let's dig in to the family tree of Jesus. And let's see God's patience. And let's see how God uses broken people like you and me to bring about his promises. So read with me in Matthew chapter 1 in verse 1. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
Remember those two names, they're going to be important. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father of Ram. Let's pause there for just a minute. So here in verse 1, we see these two key people, and really these two key promises that God makes. First, he makes this promise to Abraham, and then he's going to make a promise to David. And and we see there in verse 1 that Jesus is the son of, or the descendant of, both of these people, both of Abraham and of David. And this is important. So let's first look at this guy named Abraham. He's at the top. He's the patriarch of Israel. So let's look at him first. Because he is the one, uh, is, is the first one that God makes a promise to. God promises that through Abraham's descendants, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. God makes this promise to Abraham when Abraham and his wife Sarah are already old. They had no children. But God says, you're going to have children. In fact, you're going to have many children. And we see this in Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. It says, but a son, this is God speaking to Abraham, who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. You see, Abraham was thinking, hey, my my descendants, well, maybe this is going to be my nephew, right? Because I don't have any kids and me and my wife are well past the time that we can have kids. But God says, no, you have a son of your own flesh and blood that will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, he said to him, you shall, uh, you, you, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed in the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is a time when Abraham had no children. When Sarah and him were both well beyond the age of having children. And yet God says, you're going to have a son. In fact, you're going to have many descendants. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed that God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Even though Abraham trusted in God, there would be a time when Abraham trust in God would waver and that God would try to take things into his own hands or Abraham would try to take things into his own hands. And yet, as we're going to see, God still worked through Abraham to fulfill his promises. So from Abraham, we can move towards Judah, right? Judah was the great-grandson of Abraham, and he was Joseph's brother, that same Joseph that we looked at for a couple of weeks in our our last series that we did. And and, uh, Judah was the brother who had the great idea that, hey, let's not kill Joseph, let's, uh, let's, let's sell him and make some money off of him, right? And uh, he was the one that had that idea, but Unfortunately, that wasn't the worst thing that Judah did. And in fact, we kind of went over this story as we were looking and focusing on Joseph, but there was in the chapters in between the story that Matthew points us back to. You see, Judah ends up sleeping with a prostitute who ends up being his daughter-in-law, Tamar. And they had a son named Perez. And we see them here in the family line of Jesus. This is Jesus' family. 
Now, let's look at some other broken people who were in Jesus' family. Look there at Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. So here we see Rahab is the mother of Boaz. And yes, this is Rahab who was the prostitute that hid the spies of Israel as they were coming to spy out the land. And then we have David. David was a murderer and an adulterer. He was an adulterer with Bathsheba, who was Uriah's wife that Matthew points to here. And later they had a son named Solomon. And all of these people are in the family line of Jesus. All of these broken and sinful people God used to bring about his son, Jesus. And then we have David. And David is the next one whom God makes a promise to. We, we find this promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, when, when God says this, he says, "'Your house and your kingdom will endure forever.'" Before me. Your throne will be established forever. God is not slow. He is patient. God was patiently working through all of these broken people to fulfill his promises to Abraham and now to David. And and the rest of Jesus' family tree is in a list of of good people. (laughs) In fact, it goes from bad to worse, from Solomon to Jehoshaphat, down to Manasseh. When Manasseh became king of Israel, he quickly destroyed everything that his father Hezekiah had done. At that time in Israel's history, they had many of them had turned their back on God. And Hezekiah had worked really hard to help return Israel to following God. Well, Manasseh comes in and just destroys all of that work. Manasseh goes and worships a host of other gods. In fact, Manasseh even sacrificed, killed his very son in worship to these false gods. You thought your family tree was bad. (laughs) Jesus' family tree is pretty rough. And then it goes all the way down to a group of people who finally, after Israel had been sent off into exile, finally returned to Jerusalem and under Nehemiah begin to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then under another guy named Ezra come and rebuild the temple. And we see a guy named Zerubbabel there listed in Jesus's family tree. And they come and they they rebuild the temple, they rebuild Jerusalem, and they start to, to, uh, to bring order and reform back to Israel and start to lead this remnant of Israel back to worshiping God. And they had done everything that they thought needed to be done in order for God to fulfill his promise and for God to send the Messiah. I mean, the walls had been rebuilt. The temple had been rebuilt. And kind of at the close of the Old Testament period, at the end of Nehemiah, we see Nehemiah say, hey, I've done everything. I've rebuilt the walls. Uh, Everything is ready for you. Um, Are you going to be faithful, God? Are you going to be faithful to the promises that you made to us? I've done everything. Nehemiah thought it was all about him. But as we've already started to see, 
God is not slow. He's patient. And for 400 more years, he patiently was working and waiting to bring the Messiah. And finally, after 400 years, God breaks the silence. He is not slow. He is patient. And we see this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. And it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. God was working through all of these people who were broken and sinful to fulfill his promise. He used these broken and sinful people just like you and just like me to bring Jesus, who is the Messiah, to bring Jesus, who is Emmanuel, who, to bring Jesus, who is God with us. Friends, God used broken people to bring and become Emmanuel. And friends, here's the amazing thing, that God still works in the same way. He uses broken and sinful people just like you, just like me, to bring others to Jesus. I shared this quote two weeks ago by Jim Putman, but it fits so well for what we're looking at here in Matthew Jim Putman said, we need to have an accurate understanding of who we are. We are sinners saved by grace. We are tools in the hand of the master. God loves to use broken people because that's all that he has. And he gets the glory. We can be used in mighty ways because of his strength and because of the gifts that he has given us. God can use broken people, sinful people, just like you and just like me, to bring others to Jesus. We, we can see this through the family line, the, the family tree of Jesus. We can see how God used these broken and sinful people to bring Jesus, and God still uses broken people to bring others to Jesus. Because broken people is all that God has. To work with. I love what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of, of, of whom I am the worst. For, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense, what? Patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Friends, God can use even you because God can use even me the worst of all sinners, to bring others to Jesus. Friends, here at Journey Church, we say it this way. We say that all of us go out and build authentic relationships with the lost in our community and around the world to communicate the gospel of Jesus. 
and all of us. And when we say all of us, we mean every one of us. Each and every one of us go out and build relationships, no matter who we are, no matter what we have done, no matter where we have been, no matter who our family is and isn't, all of us go out and build authentic relationships with the lost to communicate the gospel of Jesus with them. God can and God will use you and use all of us to bring others to Jesus, despite our past, despite our brokenness, despite our sin. God's mercy has been shown to us so that Jesus might display his immense patience to the rest of the world. You see, God has shown you patience in giving you mercy when you deserve death. And and through God's demonstration of mercy, he also shows the rest of the world his patience. Not only, though, can God use broken people like you and me, but God can use broken people because God redeems broken people, just like you and me, because God has redeemed even me. Look, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you have gone through. I don't know what you've done. Maybe your family tree is even even worse than Jesus' is. I don't know. But what I do know is that God can not only use you, but God can redeem even you because he's redeemed even me. Here at Journey Church, we say it this way, that our journey is helping everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. And when we say everyone, we mean anyone. And anyone means you and me. Anyone means everyone. And anyone means no matter where you live. Anyone means no matter what the color of your skin is. Anyone means no matter who your parents were, if they were followers of Jesus or if you didn't even know who your parents were, no matter if you're rich or poor. Everyone means no matter your past, no matter your sins, no matter your brokenness. Everyone means anyone and anyone means you. We want to help you discover your relationship with Jesus. We want to help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. And friends, Here's the reality for you and for me, for all of us. No matter where we're from, no matter what we've done, no matter who our parents were or weren't, everyone, here's the reality for all of us. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He says, for all. What does all mean? Everyone. <laughs> it means you. It means him. It means her. It means your brother's third cousin. It means your neighbor, Right? Everyone, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's hope in the next verse, right? And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. All of us have sinned. I have sinned. You have sinned. He has sinned. She has sinned. All of us have sinned. Everyone has sinned. But everyone can also be justified or made just as if we never sinned 
by God's grace through Jesus. And that means that even you and even me can be redeemed, that we can be forgiven, that we can be justified, not because you deserve it, but despite the fact that you don't. Because Jesus, you can be redeemed. Paul also tells us that the wages of our sin is death. That's what we've earned with our sin. That's what we deserve because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, you and I have earned death because we have sinned, because we all have sinned. Me, you, him, her, all of us have sinned. But God hasn't given us what we deserve. That's called mercy. We deserve death, but God extends to us mercy. And instead, God offers us the free gift of eternal life through Jesus. That's grace. Mercy is us not getting what we deserve, and grace is getting what we don't deserve. Eternal life through Jesus. Paul also tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does everyone mean? Anyone. What does anyone mean? You and me and your coworker and your neighbor and your children and your neighbor's children and the people at the store. Everyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who your parents were or weren't, no matter where you live, no matter the color of your skin, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul tells us in Romans 6 that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Friends, everyone can be redeemed by God. But you have to accept his free gift of grace. You have to call on the name of the Lord. So won't you come today and call on Jesus' name? Won't you come and repent of your sins? And won't you come and be joined with Jesus in baptism today? Everyone can be saved, but only through Jesus. And everyone means anyone. And anyone means you. God can and does use broken people, sinful people just like you and me, because God redeems broken and sinful people just like you and me. Jesus is God. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. The question that you must answer today is will you accept his free gift or not? That choice is yours. Will you accept his free gift or not? And if you have accepted his free gift, will you stop allowing your past and your brokenness to paralyze you from being used by God? Let's all go and help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus.
Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have used all of these broken people from Abraham to David and all the way through to fulfill your promises, to be a blessing to all the nations, to redeem everyone who would put their trust in your son Jesus, to forgive anyone who would call on his name, to make new anyone who would repent and be baptized. And Father, we thank you that not only can we be redeemed, even though we don't deserve it, but Father, we thank you that you still use us to help point other people to your son, Jesus. So Father, help us to get out of your way. (laughs) Help us to stop being paralyzed and help us to realize that we all are broken and sinful. And yet, you still use us for amazing things because you get all the glory. We are broken tools in your hand and that is more than enough. We thank you that you you worked. We thank you that you are not slow, but you are patient. And from the time that Adam and Eve sinned, you worked to redeem what we have broken, to fix what we have destroyed, to restore us to yourself. We thank you that we can celebrate not just on December 25th, but we can celebrate every single day how you became a man, took on flesh, and humbled yourself even to death for us. But we thank you that the story didn't end there. The three days later, you rose from the dead, and we now can be made new because of that resurrection. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus. Father, would you call those who are far from you to yourself? Would you lead them to put their faith in you and repent of their sins? Would you lead them to meet you in baptism? Would you lead us who have to be your witnesses to our family, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our community, to the rest of the world. Help us to go out and build authentic relationships with them. Help us to show how much we love and care for them. Father, give us the words and the courage to communicate the good news of your son with them. And Father, we ask all of this in his precious name. Amen.